And now to, uh, unfortunately, super duper serious stuff. The war in uh, uh, in uh, Ukraine, the invasion by Russia. I, I hear uh, a lot. I read a lot. Obviously, many of you do. Some people make this thing more complex than I believe it is. And, and part of it, I, un- I understand where this emanates from. There's been so much dishonesty in the media. And there so many lies pervade society today from the Trump collusion with Russia to America systemically racist. I mean, we, we unfortunately, America was founded in 1619. I mean, gigantic lies. And so a lot of people, they think that basically everything is not true or is partially true or there's a, a massive agenda. And so... I'm addressing the the following actually to many conservatives who think that if they agree with the New York Times and CNN, uh, there must be something wrong. (laughs) I'm sorry? And Soros. And Soros, for that matter. Yeah. Or George Soros, who might consider to be a truly evil human being. Uh, I have no respect for the New York Times or CNN. And they're, they're not committed uh, to honesty, in my opinion, on, on any matter that matters. They're committed to honesty. I mean, if the New York Times reports on an earthquake in Peru, I believe what it writes. Because there's nothing controversial there. But, but if it has to do with anything where there's a, a right, left, social, moral difference, I assume that they have an agenda and the agenda is not truth. But that doesn't mean that every single thing reported or every position they take is therefore wrong. That's as silly as thinking they're always right. Uh, I, I don't I don't have the reaction of if the New York Times editorial page is for X, then I am anti X. I mean, what if the New York Times editorial page says we really should conquer cancer? What am I going to say? Not a good idea. The fact that the New York Times editorial page advocates something doesn't make it wrong. They're almost always wrong on 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 issues that matter to me, but not always. The fact that that people on the left oppose Putin's invasion of Ukraine doesn't mean a thing to me. It it has no impact. I don't decide what to what moral position to take based on who takes the position. That's a terrible thing to do. It's a bad, you're falling into a trap. Like, like morality doesn't have its own independent reality. It's dependent upon whose opinion it is. It's not, it's not dependent upon that. It is possible for George Soros, whom I loathe, to uh, condemn the, the invasion of Ukraine and it is possible for me to condemn the invasion of Ukraine. George Soros's position on anything has no impact on my position, and it shouldn't. And the same holds for for fellow my my fellow travelers, people whom I agree with almost all the time. You you can't allow that to happen. An evil thing happened. A big country invaded a little country for no good reason. It's just evil what they did. 
period. And then, and then I hear uh, talk about, well, th- there are a, lo- a lot of, uh, there's a lot of corruption in Ukraine. What does that have to do with anything? So therefore what? It minimizes the evil that, that Russia is doing. The million Ukrainians who have already fled, their, their suffering is, is diminished because there's corruption in Ukraine. What ex-communist country doesn't have, uh, doesn't have corruption? It's very hard to go from from uh, totalitarianism to open democracy overnight. It's a very, very long, difficult trip. And by the way, talk about corruption. I'm sorry to say, because I never spoke like this in the past. We're filled with corruption in the United States. It is a tragedy. What 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 elite institution, governmental or independent, is not corrupt in this country? The American Medical Association, which announced that we shouldn't list the sex of a child on a birth certificate because we don't know the sex of the child. The child will determine it. That's not corrupt. The AMA is a corrupt institution. The American Bar Association is moving toward corruption. The FBI at, at the top is corrupt. The CIA at the top is corrupt. So therefore what? So can we be invaded? Would it make an invasion of America a moral act or a less immoral act? Corruption is endemic to the human, uh, to the human condition. That's why, that's why the founders of this country, the United States of America, were so adamant about government not being big. It's the only country ever founded on the principle of limited government because Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, said a, a British, uh, a British leader. I think it was Lord Lord Acton. I think in the nineteenth century. I'll say it again: power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. This country was not founded to be a democracy for that reason, because the founders didn't didn't trust great power in they didn't even trust power in the majority's hands that's why we have an electoral college that's why we have a u.s senate there's nothing democratic about the u.s senate the most populous state in the country and the least populous state in the country both have two senators is that democratic of course not so when i hear about well there's corruption in ukraine i'm sure there is that's right and therefore what and, and then I hear, well, there were Nazis in Ukraine. Yes, there were Nazis in Ukraine. And therefore what? Do you know that 70% of the Ukrainian people elected a Jew to be their president? It's not exactly a Nazi country. Nazis, here's a rule. Nazis don't vote for Jews. <laughs> just, just thought I'd throw that out as a Jew, I might add. Who was... Uh, He's fought anti-Semitism his whole life. He's written a book on anti-Semitism called Why the Jews? The Reason for Anti-Semitism. It's a good book, and I, I strongly commend it. <laughs> so I was reading about, uh, about people talking about Nazis in, uh, in, in Ukraine, that there were Ukrainians who greeted Nazi troops with Heil Hitler. And... Uh, given given the horrors endured by the Jews in Ukraine during the Holocaust, I'm not exactly sympathetic to Ukrainians who had Heil Hitler signs when, when the German troops came in. However, 
I also believe in truth and in being fair. The suffering of the Ukrainian people under Soviet rule, under Stalin, was horrific. The man deliberately starved six million Ukrainians to death. Is it shocking that Ukrainians might, in fact, welcome a foreign troops to liberate them from the, the, that evil, evil, evil man, Stalin? It wasn't necessarily because they loved Nazism. They probably didn't even know much about what Nazism stood for. All they knew was, hey, we might be able to get rid of Stalin. And then they found out that the Nazis were at least as bad as Stalin. World is complex, but there's no reason to make it more complex than it is. Ukraine was invaded by Putin's Russia. And they are suffering terribly. And there was not a, any reason, any justifiable reason for this invasion. None. Period. And to me, that is the end of the issue. Propaganda? Damn right. Guess what? Every war is accompanied by lies. That's in fact, that they always say truth is the first victim of war. That is correct. So, uh, uh, to give an example, did you hear the story about the 12 Ukrainians who were told to surrender by, uh, by, uh, an officer on a Russian ship? And they basically told him to go F himself. And then they were, they were, they were blown up. I have no idea if that story is true. These stories come out so often. Uh, uh, the Babi Yar uh, uh, statue, the memorial to the Jews who were slaughtered by the Nazis at Babi Yar, is a very famous thing among those who know the Holocaust. Uh, they said that that was uh, targeted by the Russians. It was not. It was not targeted. It was not destroyed. It was not even uh, injured. If you can speak of, of a memorial being injured. So yes, these things happen. And by the way, they're not a good idea. People should try to tell the truth. It comes to bite you. They made up a lot of stories about German atrocities in World War I. When the Germans committed that, those and worse atrocities in World War II, a lot of it was dismissed as, as war propaganda when it was in fact true. Part of the reason the Holocaust wasn't believed while it was happening, obviously, and anyone who who is committed to truth knows how horrible it was and that it did happen, of course. But while it was happening, even Jews couldn't believe it. And many people said, oh, remember what they said about the Germans in World War I? And so it's not a good idea to, to lie uh, with propaganda. But it does happen. Of course it happens. But I don't know how that in any way affects the fact Russia invaded Ukraine for no good reason, and it was pure evil act. Pure. Simple as that. I'm rooting for the Ukrainians. Okay? I am. Are we clear? Good. Okay. So let me talk to you about a super duper serious uh, subject, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Just a few thoughts. Uh, my column this week is on the subject, if you want to read it in greater detail. 
there, there's a lot to, the most obvious is there's evil in the world. And people have, they work on denying this fact. Or they call things that are not evil, evil. Like all the, all the woke stuff that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's evil that there aren't more black coaches in the NFL. Okay, it's not evil. <laughs> evil is an invasion of a country. <laughs> okay, Let, let's, let's try to get our perspective clear on, on what, what is evil. Well, I'll tell you though, I, I must say there were things that, that bordered on evil. I thought in the last two years, I think, I think giving kids, little kids vaccines, having two year olds masked on airplanes, it's not evil like an invasion, but it, it, it's truly life crushing for no good reason. All right. Anyway, uh, uh, he's a scary character, Putin. I think he's gotten scarier over, over time. And to be honest, I don't believe he would have invaded if Donald Trump were president. I don't care if you hate Donald Trump or love Donald Trump. You still have to be intellectually honest. He didn't invade Ukraine. He invaded Ukraine under uh, under Barack Obama. He invaded Ukraine uh, under the, the Joe Biden, but not under Donald Trump. That that's that's a big deal. I think that's a pretty relevant. Uh, Fact. I don't care if America is loved. It's a bonus, but I, I don't aim for it. I would rather have the bad guys of the world fear America than people walk around loving America. I, they, by the way, they do love America. You know how we know? Look at how many want to move here. Okay? that That's real love. If you want to live in this country... Uh, it's not because you have a low esteem, you hold it in low esteem. So that's one aspect is this is truly evil and he's a very scary individual and he wouldn't have done this under Donald Trump because he was scared of Donald Trump, as he should have been. That That is, that is the mode of presidency that he exhibited and that, that's a very healthy thing, actually. This president... Uh, kissed his wife while they both wore a mask and thought that was a beautiful symbol of American leadership. I didn't share that view. I was embarrassed as an American. Okay. It, it all depends on your perspective. What can I say? And there's one other thing uh, worth noting. The environmentalist movement is major contributor to the invasion I don't know if there would have been an invasion if Putin did not believe that Europe was dependent uh, uh, on his oil, as opposed to dependent on America for its oil. Uh, the the environmentalist movement, in the day that Joe Biden was elected, we uh, we stopped fracking in most instances, and we have a video on fracking, so you will understand how safe it is. Uh, we were a net producer of oil. Now we are a net, we in America are a net importer of oil. Would you rather Europe get its oil from, from good guys or bad guys? If the bad guys think that they control you economically, they feel that they can get away with anything. That was a huge factor. 
but there is a fanaticism and it, it's really a derangement, the environmentalist movement. It truly is. You know how long now? It's now 32 years that we have been warned that in 12 years, it will be too late to stop the existential threat of global warming. First 1990 with Al Gore's book, Earth in the Balance, I believe that was the name. Then he said, 12 years, we have 12 years. Then 12 years later at 2002, nothing changed. We have 12 years and then it's over. It'll be too late to stop the existential threat. By the way, existential threat means threat to the existence of. Do you believe that? You really believe? I'll bet a lot of you do. It's because it's all you've heard. By the way, no one at PragerU, no video at PragerU denies that the earth is getting warmer. What we do deny is that it's an existential threat. Do you know Bjorn Lomborg, who writes about this regularly in the Wall Street Journal, keeps noting fewer people die each year of heat than in any previous year? Well, why? Isn't that important? Far more people die of cold, incidentally. (laughs) By the way, the giveaway that the environmentalist movement is interested in simply restructuring society is the fact that they're opposed to nuclear power. If they really believed that we have to get off fossil fuel, then they would be the biggest advocates of nuclear power. Completely non-fossil, completely clean, to use their term, and they're against it. In in your lifetime, it is unlikely solar and, and wind can power a whole world. The whole world. It, it, it it's, it's a fairy tale. Nuclear power could. And uh, Germany got rid of its uh, nuclear plants and became dependent upon Vladimir Putin. Okay, there's a lot more to say about all of this. And the, Oh, I'll say one more thing. Maybe Ukraine has awakened some people in the West to how precious freedom is. People forget it. In fact... A lot of people have contempt for liberty, like free speech, the most important liberty of all. Just a thought. Let's stop sending each, seeing each other as enemies and start seeing each other for who we are. No, I'm starting to hear this a lot now from media people. I'm hearing it from Joe Biden. I'm hearing it from Democrats. I'm hearing it from jellyfish Republicans. I'm hearing this a lot now. Let's set this down. Let's lay down our swords. Let's come together. Let's heal the divisions. We don't have to be partisan. We don't have to point fingers. We don't have to make enemies. Screw you. I remember two years of pandemic's all my fault. I remember two years of children in this country, some of them still having to walk around with some stupid piece of cloth over their faces, can't talk to their friends, can't understand their teachers. I remember two years of people sending me videos and pictures of kids sobbing over their laptops at home while politicians who were putting these things into place were out partying up with their friends. Woohoo! Party time, baby! Hey, kids, 
sorry, gotta go home. Social distancing. I remember Joe Rogan. He puts out a little video. I got COVID. I was sick. I took ivermectin. I got better. And you know what I remember? I remember the system, including the FDA, making fun of him for it and telling everyone in this country not to maybe experiment with a successful treatment for a deadly disease. I remember everyone claiming it was horse dewormer. I remember all of you scumbags taking away life-saving treatments like Regeneron after you took it. You got coronavirus and took it. And then you took it away from innocent people. Don't you ever try to tell me we're not enemies. Don't you ever try to tell me to heal some divide, bridge the divide. Let's make peace up yours. We are enemies. I want the divide. I want the divide longer and wider than it's ever been before. I want to be as separated as far from you pieces of trash as the East is from the West. I don't want to reside in the same state as you, the same country as you. I don't want you on the same planet as me. Pandemic of the unvaccinated. Roll that up and shove it where you know where. Why wouldn't we take out Putin? I mean, if Putin's going to threaten us with nuclear weapons, if Putin is trying to destroy NATO, if Putin's in an alliance with Iran, which wants nuclear weapons, if Putin's in an alliance with Xi, which wants an economic military uh, superior uh, uh, position over the world, well, what's the problem? George Washington ordered snipers as such as they were back then during the Revolutionary War to take out the leaders of the, uh, of the British military. We took out Yamamoto. He was a target. He was the, uh, the genius uh, admiral uh, with Japan. If we could have taken out Hitler, we would have. And I can go on and on and on. And so uh, I, I don't find this odd. Now, I say we take out, I don't mean the United States military or, the, or our intelligence agencies or so forth, but why wouldn't we encourage others to do it? Exactly what Putin is encouraging with uh, Zelensky. And uh, as I talked about before, Putin's taken out over 122 journalists, over 70 politicians and businessmen. He's a mass murderer. He's an assassin. And yet you can't talk about taking out Putin. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, it's like everything else. We should talk about everything that ought to be on the table. Now, who has been the loudest on radio and TV? I don't mean just as a generic matter. I mean, who's been the loudest on radio and TV pushing to get those MiG-29s to the Ukrainian pilots? Me. They were promised to the Ukrainian pilots. They know how to fly MiG-29s. They used to fly MiG-29s as part of the old Soviet Union. Well, now there's talk, actually, about trying to get them the MiG-29s. What's one of the problems? One of the problems, of course, is the slowness of the Biden administration. But also, as it turns out, some of these countries like Poland, of course, want to be able to defend themselves if they give their MiG-29s to the Ukrainians. And we need to protect ourselves as part of NATO with our F-16s. The problem is we don't have enough F-16s. Did you hear this, Mr. Producer? Now, all of a sudden, we don't have enough F-16s? Well, shouldn't we immediately be muscling up our defense budget, given the challenges we now face with these fascistic uh, Putin, with the uh, communist Xi 
with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran and what they're all up to? The access of evil, the new access of evil? Yes, we should. Does there seem to be an urgency to increase our defense budget? No, not even by so-called hawks. There ought to be an emergency spending bill. We have an emergency spending bill for the pandemic. Hello? There is no pandemic anymore. Well, you know, we got to keep pouring the money in. They blew, what was it? Tens of billions of dollars. They don't even know where it went. They know criminals got it. There's reports out there we don't read anymore. And they want hundreds of billions more. Wait. But we're not even applying it to the United States military. If we're running out of F-16s, that's not exactly the newest jet in the world. Uh, we have a problem. But we have other jets, newer jets. We don't have enough of them that are coming online. Some have already come online. But this is, when you look at the American military, you look at the American industrial might, the production of equipment, uh, including jets and tanks and so forth, there's no match. Certainly not yet. You look at the Russian army, a lot of their equipment's relatively old, as it turns out. They have a very small economy. Their economy is smaller than Texas. Their economy is smaller than California. You look at China, China's economy is about 80% the size of ours. They are on the move, and they're not messing around. So that's different there. Now, Karafanu, who was on with me on Fox, he made a brilliant point, a very important point. Not that we haven't noticed it, but he really gave substance to it. And that is, you can't really talk about Russia and China and Iran as individual countries. You can't bifurcate one from the other. They're working together. If one needs oil, another produces it for it. If one needs a financial market because Visa, Amex, and MasterCard pull out, another gives them their, their financial network and market, and on and on and on. And they are assisting each other. They're assisting each other. So there is an access going on. Now, here's the deal. When the Soviet Union was in existence, Reagan as president, as did others, but Reagan in particular, he armed up uh, opposition to the Soviet Union all over the world, where there were freedom fighters and others resisting the Soviet Union, where the Soviet Union went in to try and control different countries and individuals, he pushed back. Ever hear of Angola? Well, we supported the freedom fighters in Angola against the Russian-backed Cuban forces and others that were trying to keep a communist regime there. We backed forces in Nicaragua. The communists backed uh, the, the communist... Uh, uh, Soviet Union backed the communist forces there, uh, and they're there now, by the way, since Reagan left. We can go on and on around the world. Like even look at Afghanistan. All the uh, Russian Soviet soldiers that died as a result of our participation providing weapons to the uh, Northern Alliance, among others. And now all of a sudden, we're not supposed to provide jets or anything else we can provide to the Ukrainians. I'm not saying a no-fly zone. I don't think we should do that. I think that's foolish. I don't think we should send uh, uh, infantry soldiers in. I think that's foolish. We don't have to, just like Reagan didn't. But we can actually push Russia back, do severe damage to Putin's war machine, help protect an ally and free peoples who want to live in peace. And you know what? Where is it written that Ukraine has to lose? Where is it written that Ukraine has to have a slow, their people have to have a slow death one city after another. I mentioned this on Hannity the other night. I don't get it. Don't we want the Ukrainians to win? Why, why is it? I watch these news shows. I watch these analysts. 
well, the Russians are moving in from here, they're moving in from here, they're moving in from here, they want to landlock here, they got a 40-mile uh, convoy that's kind of stuck up here, and nobody knows why they're not hitting them, and here and here, and this is going to happen, and then they're going to cut off their supply. Go, wait a minute. If we give them the MiG-29s they want, that convoy goes, bye-bye. They will strafe the hell out of that thing. That can change the whole world. They're not going to allow the area Crimea and the Black Sea to go un, un, uh, unattacked. Turns out the Ukrainian army is holding its own on the Eastern Front with the Russians, which is where about 60% of their military is. These people can fight. These people want to fight. Russia has about 170 million people. Ukraine has about 44 million people. These people can fight and they want to fight. So why should we watch their cities disintegrate because the Russians are sitting outside these cities and just shelling the people left and right, left and right, left and right. The Ukrainians ought to have as, much, as many javelins as they need, as many drones as they need. Apparently, Turkey had provided them with some, but they've run out or are running out. They should get the drones. They should get the javelins. They should get the jets. And then let's see what happens. Want to see more Mark Levin? Go to levintv.com and subscribe now. For me, the biggest story of the week is probably the least talked about story. Uh, it is Joe Biden's executive order on cryptocurrency. Uh, it is it's it's an amazing executive order. You should read it. We must take strong steps to reduce the risks that digital assets could pose to climate change and pollution. <gasps> Cl climate change and pollution. Yeah, I mean, it was a big list, but that's uh, that's on that list. Climate change and pollution. Apparently, apparently, not only are we worried about, you know, dark money. I love that Joe Biden worried about dark money. Well, we're worried about dark money. People, you know, doing things that they shouldn't and not paying their taxes because they deal in, in Bitcoin. We're also worried about the energy that it takes to have a decentralized currency. Mm. And so Section 5 of the executive order measures to protect consumers, investors and businesses includes a subsection telling the director of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy to lead work on an interagency report examining climate and energy concerns around cryptocurrency. Now, here's what's great. I, you know, who doesn't know the head of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy? policy right i mean we all say say it with me it's a laundra nelson laundra yeah nelson, nelson. Yeah. yeah oh yeah okay. we oh, all know gosh, it yeah. we all know uh -huh. it you know um she is a social science professor hmm. uh from columbia the institute of advanced studies with a a doctorate in american studies and she also and this is such a crazy coincidence she is also a member of the World Economic Forum uh, uh, network. That's great. Isn't that great? Yeah. So she's connected to all those people that trust each other. 
you know. That's good to hear. Uh, so the um, her office is uh, to put together a group to consider the potential for these technologies to impede or advance efforts to tackle climate change and ho- at home and abroad and the effect of cryptocurrencies consensus mechanisms on energy uses. Now, here's the thing. The, the, the problem with cryptocurrency is, uh, well, data mining. I mean, the mining for the, the Bitcoin is just, I mean, it's taking so much energy. By the way, uh, there'll be no more mining after 2030. So good luck on making that case. Uh, but because it's decentralized, it requires so much power to be able to verify does this person have these funds? Is this person really where it's supposed to go? All the verifications that have to happen all over the world because it's decentralized. A lot of power. Yeah, not when you, first of all, not when you compare it to other giant financial systems, which is what mm. this is, right? I mean, how much do you, how much is gold mining cost to the environment? How much mm. does uh, precious metal mining overall? How much uh, does the global financial system and banking... You know what? I got to uh, tell you, I'm surprised we don't have rolling brownouts on the East Coast just yeah. to keep the printing presses going right. at the Treasury. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, we should also point out that these environmental or environmental concerns are nonsense. They're, they're, it's ridiculous. Oh, how dare you say that? M- mo- you won't be able to say that in six months, I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yeah? Literally. <laughs> uh, in, uh, the, uh, the executive order also instructs the Secretary of uh, Treasury, Janet Yellen, to lead the development of a report on the future of money and payment systems. It requests a report from the chairman of the Federal Reserve addressing whether a central bank uh, digital currency could make the monetary system more efficient. Oh, I bet. And could be used as a critical stabilization tool. Yes. Now, in the end, do you understand? This is something the empire must have to stabilize our currency. To stabilize it. We've got bad inflation coming out. Oh, my gosh. They just said that. That's weird because that's not what the White House has been saying. But now they're saying, oh, it's really bad inflation. Wow. And you know what will cure that? Modern monetary theory. Yeah, but we're never going to do that. Oh, no, wait. We're doing the first part of that. Printing all of the money. Just sending money out the door. Yeah, but that's causing inflation. Yeah, but you know what would fix that? A digital currency. Wow. So it really is a critical stabilization tool. Yeah. And it'll save energy because it will be on a central computer with a password. So you got that coming for you. Uh, You know, the only thing this doesn't have in it is maybe a chip that we put into our forehead or our our hand. On that, it's great. This is a way to completely control absolutely every human being on Earth. And it is coming. And I think I think there's a chance it comes before the election. But I do believe it will come before Congress is reseated if they should lose Congress. They have this they have this idea. You know what? I'm putting this executive order. We should study it. They've already studied it. Go to Treasury.gov. Go to the Federal Reserve. Read the white papers. They are already doing work with MIT on what's called the Hamilton Project. 
by the way, Hamilton, great musical. Also, an evil SOB that wanted a central bank, and all of the other founders are like, no, I think that's a bad idea. So the Hamilton Project, look it up. The Boston Fed and MIT. They're not doing a study. They're not doing a study. This is just to prepare the ground, till the soil. Wow, we're thinking about, huh, high inflation and what could stabilize that. Well, Fed's been out of bullets for a while. You know what would stabilize that? One bank, the Federal Reserve, and we could open up accounts at the Federal Reserve and we'll put money, free money. Gosh, that that would be really helpful, especially when food prices are out of control and and jobs are hard to get and you can't buy any freaking fertilizer that's you know what that'd be so helpful people will people will need that extra money we'll just put it there in the fed bank and you can come and claim it and then move all your your regular currency and we'll give you maybe 60 cents on a dollar this month And if you don't do it, then, you know, a couple of months later, uh, you'll only get 40 cents on the dollar. That's assuming it's not redistributing wealth, which Janet Yellen in a white paper on the Treasury says that's what's going to happen. So if you're white and rich, you're going to get less than 60 cents. But if you're um, a hermaphrodite with uh, a leg growing out of your eye, you're in a special class. You might get a dollar 25 for every dollar you have. But I digress. It is so fantastic. And that is the story of the week.